Welcome to a Questions from the Closet exclusive. I'm Charlie Bird. And I'm Ben Shalati. We're between seasons right now, and we decided to do a really fun episode we've wanted to do for a while. So, today we're joined by Sarah Keller... Darn it. <laughs> Sarah Keller Legford. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. So, Sarah, you've been on before. Yes, I have. Tell twice. Us, tell us what's been up in your life since we last talked. Well, I recently moved to San Antonio, Texas. I live three blocks south of the Alamo, and I have a little store 50 yards away from the Riverwalk that I run with my father. We are jewelers and metalsmiths, and yeah, I'm developing my artists, learning how to run a business, meeting That's lots of really cool. cool people. So, at me, I can make your jewelry. <laughs> like. I love that. Proud of you, happy for you. Thank you. Um, I'm excited for this episode. This We've actually tried to do this a couple times today we're talking about what's it like to be on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and sarah for like a while has been like i'm so interested in interviewing you and like really getting down to the nitty-gritty of what it's like to be ben and charlie Mm -hmm. and that's like really kind of you and i'm like just do people (laughs) care yeah (laughs) if they they don't they can listen to the radio don't turn it off now I think that like both of you, like for the sake of like the podcast and what it is that you do, you have to present a certain amount of like confidence about who it is that you are and like what it means and like how you go about doing that. And I think that it's important for people to understand not just like the humanity, but the process in which like your humanity comes out for better or for worse. I don't know how to say this any nicer, but as great as it is to be you, I know sometimes it sucks to be you too. And, like you books to be us. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think like you have the like happy, unhappy responsibility of no matter what it is that you do, that there will always be a relatively large faction of people that are deeply unhappy mm-hmm. with the p- decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know. Yeah. And I think it's important to me to like bear that out a little bit. And in this space of like coexistence and like embracing one another, how where do you, where do all of you fit into that? And like the reality of your experience and. So yeah, let's let's get into this. Well, let's yeah, dive in. Let's do it. Yeah. So let me just start with this. Like, when the the title of this episode is like, "What is it like to be on a pedestal?" Mm-hmm. Right. So let's start with that. Like, the view is great. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Ben? I'm just making a joke about how, how pedestals being high are, are high. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get to see a lot of things, right? And we get like I just people who email us and talk to us. Like we have, we get to see a lot of diverse experiences and a lot of uh i think we might see the landscape in a way that people might not who Mm -hmm. are who aren't so public right because so many people come and talk to us and share stories and experiences yeah i think the publicity of it kind of like brings connections Mm -hmm. and i I love the the way you worded that because we really do like in this like kind of tumultuous polarized space um i feel like i mean obviously it's not like we're seeing everything but like i know what different groups are, are thinking and what different people are going through and it's um really beautiful to hopefully kind of bridge some of that but it's also kind of overwhelming to know like how much pain and suffering and um like misconception there is mm-hmm. yeah and and like and people come in like if we do something that's like wrong or something like views is wrong like then we're told about that and so then given like mm-hmm. more information so i feel like we get to see a lot of things even though of course we don't see it all um, but I think that's that's part of being on a, like being on a pedestal. Like we just have this view of a landscape that we wouldn't have had if we just right. Yeah, right. But wouldn't you say that the, the inverse of that is though people really probably don't get to see you. Like they get to see a very specific side of you, but they don't really get to. The irony of that is you're actually really not being seen very well. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
I mean, you're on the pedestal. So, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking of like, um, I'm thinking of like the David sculpture by Michelangelo. Mm. Um, it, it was initially like um, sculpted to be very high up. Right. Um, and so w- when you look at it in person, it's, I mean, it's on a, a little bit of like a platform, but it's pretty low, much lower than the artist intended. And so the proportions look a little bit like lanky and off. But if you're to lift it up, to where it was supposed to be set initially on like I can't remember where it was like up on a cathedral high um they they've like I've seen a digital rendering of it it looks perfect right and so it's almost like the inverse of that I think sometimes we're like maybe because of like the pedestal position that we're in people can see us um or I feel like people can see me but it's not always like the most accurate because it's not eye to eye it's not face to face and that um, height difference kind of toys with the perception. Yeah. Right. Can I give you an example of that? Yeah. yeah. So I recently gave a fireside and there was a, a Desnat person there. Oh. Uh, and for those people who don't know what Desnat is, like this really alt-right conservative. Deseret nationalists. Yeah, yeah. Conservative members of the church. And so, so this guy was at my fireside and he live tweeted the whole thing. And then um, I found the thread after someone told me about it and so we read through it together and it was basically just like this great summary of my talk wow like it was great it was really good i was just like notes on my talk basically and then people were commenting like oh ben must have turned a new leaf like he's so much more faithful now blah 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 like i've been giving the same fireside for three years <laughs> <laughs> but just, just like you know they, they saw me as one thing but then like when they had a little bit of access to what i was actually saying um yeah. they're like oh, ben's great not that i would like love for them to like be like oh my god that's great it's <laughs> not <laughs> your target audience yeah <laughs> Uh, but, but you know, I, I, they weren't seeing me, and then they got an opportunity to see me. Right. Well, it's interesting. Like, that's, I think that's, like, beautiful, right? That, that idea of, like, well, they, they, they came up close to you, and they actually saw you. But something mm-hmm. that Charlie said about this idea of perfection is interesting to me because I think we do this to everyone. Anyone that's in, like, a public space, we project an idea of perfection or an expectation of perfection. But it's interesting where you're at that I, what perfection actually is an application is so wide it's in this different space. To everyone. It's so okay. different. Like it's when anyone, like if when I Google, um, if I have a bloody nose, what I need to do about a bloody nose is like pretty straightforward. I push some tissues up my nose. It stops the bloodiness. Put some pressure. Don't tip my head back because I don't want to gag on the blood. And it's that's how you take care of a bloody Ew. nose. <laughs> <laughs> but if you Google the intersection of like faith, LGBT, and then type in throw in the LDS keyword Mormon in there, it is. It is such a wide swath of opinions. And not only is it wide, it's so extreme. Mm-hmm. It is so extreme. You have like going to hell over here. You have going to heaven over here. You've got celibacy. You've got self-loathing, internalized homophobia. Yeah. You Experimentation, have, marriage, nurture, nature. Ex- like. Everything. There's so many things and it's so confusing. And, and in every single one of these ideas, we have about a billion subgroups to represent Mm -hmm. each of those ideas and like to push forward those ideas. And those are all being thrown at you Mm -hmm. with, again, here's the template of perfection. This is how you can responsibly with your platform of privilege as gay white males. Yeah. So you're saying that for each person, there's like a different answer that they would want us to give. Yeah. When in reality, there's not really an answer and we're just trying to live within it. Right. I feel that often. So, I mean, what do you, what do you do? I mean, first of all, even before what do you do? Like, what is that like? What is that like when, I mean, Ben, mm-hmm. before you looked at the thread, the does not thread, like, what were you expecting? I was expecting a lot of hate from mm-hmm. them and a lot of maybe name calling and maybe 
uh, fears that I'm like leading people astray and destroying lives. And why would you expect that? Because they've said like that before. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's the past experience and yeah. forms that if you go on, like I, I deleted Twitter because when I go on Twitter, people either say fake things about me or mean things. And I'm like, okay, great. It's not great to read, you know? No. Uh, honestly, just barely on the way here, I um, was trying to get a, a picture of myself because I'm speaking at a thing tomorrow and I needed like a headshot. Um, and it's just easier to Google it than go through all the files on my computer to try to find <laughs> out. <laughs> so I like Google myself, find the image I need, and it was attached to a Reddit thread about me. Um, and I was just like, oh, I shouldn't do this, but of course I'm going to, right? Uh, obviously, you have to. And there were 18 comments about um, this article that was written about me mm. a, a little bit ago. Um, and so here I am, two hours ago, right, reading, um, bless Charlie, he's doing such good work, we love him, wish him well on his journey, reading, um, Charlie is so brainwashed, he needs to leave the church, they're controlling him, this is disgusting. Um, I'm reading... Gay people aren't real. This man was obviously abused when he was a kid. You know, and so I'm like, all of these people that have never met me, don't know me at all, have access to this photograph of me, which represents um, a, a gay member of the church who wrote a book and is, I, I, you know, and it's just like, I'm not a human. I'm just something to dissect. Yeah. And, and like all of people's feelings about this issue are then put on to you. Mm -hmm. you and, and you become like, like the, the nexus of this conversation. Exactly. Like it's, I'm the, the representation of that um, whenever they want me to be. Mm -hmm. Right? Does right. that make sense? Okay. So when do they, so when do you mean when they want you to be? Um, well, I, I feel like it just, it, it happens in different times. Like, like if someone needs, if someone needs a chess piece, mm -hmm. they can, pull me for whatever they want right so we can have a conservative member who's talking to a gay person who's, who's left the church and is like well charlie bird still says why aren't you doing that mm -hmm. and then i can have that same person be like well charlie bird's being used against me because his life you know and it's like or someone could be like charlie's dating a guy therefore he's a cautionary tale so watch out for him exactly and so like whatever they want to prove i feel like someone can, can take a little bit a little piece of me um, just take off that little chunk and use it to argue their point um, rather than look at like the whole data set of like everything of who I am. So there's like cherry picking going on for Definitely. people's own agendas. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what, do you feel like, I mean, when did you start? What is it like to be the yardstick by which everyone measures success or failure in this space? That's a really good question. Yeah. So if people are listening to this, there's like an 80% chance they're like a, a woman in their 40s or 50s. Who's <laughs> <laughs> like feeling really empathetic and we really yeah. love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> the moms have become our biggest fans somehow. Um, That's really and so, and I talked to a lot of these moms. Yeah. And so, you know, this yardstick. So I, I have people who say to me like, Ben, I love you and adore you. And I don't want my kid to be like you. Like, I want them to just, like, be able to find love. And, like, I honor your path, but, like, I don't want my kid to be you. And and that's, like, a kindness, but it's, like, it's a lot to put on to me. Yeah, it is. And then other people are like, oh, I just wish my kid could be like you. And then I have to say, like... I feel like that one's even worse. And yeah. that, that, that is worse. And then I have to be like, oh, well, here's why that's problematic. And, yeah. let, like, love your kid for who they are. And we, we have a good conversation about that. If and, your kid shouldn't be me, they should be them. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And and so so people just kind of... I, I think it's people, like, have these expectations for, like, their kids or their or their own lives or their, or their friends and family. And then they, they see... 
it's not like they're like, okay, this is what Ben and Charlie are doing. Therefore people should be like them. It's like, oh, this is what feels comfortable to me. And Ben or Charlie represents that. And then I'm going to then, I'm going to use that as, as, as an example. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we've even mentioned this before, I think, but I, I will have like, um, gay individuals talk to me and be like, um, my mom's mad at me because I'm not more like you and that sucks to hear. And so I hate you. And I'm like, that does suck. You know, that that's a horrible thing. And it's also not my fault. Like it's, what am I trying to say? Like, like it's not like, it's not my fault. If someone's mom is using me as a weapon, right? Like I inherently am not a weapon. I'm just trying to share my story and like be authentic. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's sad because they're like, you need to, to be quieter because you're being used as a weapon. But I'm like, that's, that's not my fault. And, and if like, well, it is interesting that like we do that to people. Cause I'm trying to think right now, I'm like racking my brain. Is there any other situation or like application where for lack of a better word, I'm not calling you all tools, but like where a oh, we're tool, tools, but different <laughs> kinds of tools, like a tool <laughs> or an object is like blamed for like how other people use it. I, I think it does happen, and I think it happens a lot in our culture. Um, like, in, in church culture, there's, like, this person got married young, and you can too, and you should too, and this person does this, and they wore this they wore this prom dress, and so your prom dress should be equally as modest. Like, I think we do that. Or, but, like, why do we often. do that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but honestly, like, seriously, why, why do we do that? Like, why do we, why do we, like, look to someone else? Like, in an... Our church, like one of the core principles of our church is agency. agency. And the only person we're asked to be like is the savior. Mm-hmm. That is the only person. Like I'm not even asked to be like President Nelson or like Sister Eubank, whom I adore. You and should like, be love, like Sister Eubank. Right? Like, can I ask you to be like Sister Eubank? I, would, <laughs> I want to do I would that. love to be like Sister Eubank, but I'm not, there's nowhere, I don't have like a, I'm not doctrinally asked to do that. I'm not asked right. to, I'm, like, I'm only asked to emulate the savior. So like where did we get this idea in which where we needed to find someone else and project them onto another individual and say, be like them, <laughs> like be, be them. Yeah. I, I think it just comes from people. So I, I have this, um, this like spectrum I've been thinking of, of like from fear to like, like confidence and trust and people who are on the fear side, like, like when they're afraid, that's where the problems come in when they're not like trusting or when they're not confident and so, like, like either in themselves or in the, the people that they love. And so, when people feel uncomfortable with people who leave the church, who are LGBTQ, then they look at me, and they're like, well, Ben Stain, and that makes me feel comfortable. I think you said something really important. Like, you said that they do it when they're scared, and I think maybe they choose you because they think you're not scared. <laughs> yeah. But on the flip side, there's a whole other group who thinks he's scary. Mm-hmm. And, and so, right. And so, I, I think you can't win. And so, I think this is why this comes up in, in this context. So, the church is like such a big thing in people's lives who have ever been a part of it, whether they're out of the church or in the church. Like, it is a big thing because someone who's le- who leaves the church, their loved ones, their friends are still part it of it. It influences so much of yeah. development and social and yeah. And so, if I like LGBTQ issues are uncomfortable for a lot of church members. So, if I'm gay and I'm in the church then they can like talk about this in a way that's more comfortable for them. Mm. They don't have to deal with all the discomfort because they're like, Oh, obviously it's okay. Like this isn't a big deal. I don't have to deal with the, with the discomfort of it. Okay. So do you feel like the two of you are acting as like a meeting place for people in this conversation? They're like, we don't know very much about this, but we know who these two people are. So we're going to use them as like the starting point. And when you use those people as the starting point, 
Well, I, I so, think that's well, what we I, tried. Oh, can I say something first? Yeah. So I, I think the problem here is when people don't actually listen to us. Okay. So for example, I'm very honest about my life. I'm honest about the like complications and the difficulties and the hard decisions I have to make. You know, like back in March, I wrote an article about, like having a crush on this guy oh, yeah. and then not being able to like move forward with that. And so if someone like reads that, they're like, oh, this is like a tough thing. Like Ben's choices aren't easy. But then if someone's like, oh, active gay church, church member, great. Then they don't actually like look at like look at my life. Then that's when that's when it's problematic. Mm-hmm. But I think if people actually like listen to what what I'm saying and like actually see my life as I'm as I'm sharing it, I think then they do step into the discomfort. That's well, the yeah. proximity piece. I think I've definitely like referred people to both of your books like page numbers when they said, "Well, how do they feel about this?" Or why aren't they doing this? And I'm like, they literally address this <laughs> yeah. in like chapter three, page like twenty four. <laughs> so like, yeah, thank you. Like, um, settle down. To your point, though, I, I think that's like why I wanted to enter the space, and and I think that's I mean that's why we started this podcast because we wanted to be there to be a point because there's this uncomfortable space and it's polarized and like when something is polarized like by definition there is a ton of space in the middle and if you're trying to bridge that and and it's it's hard too because it's polarizing families like this subject i I see quite literally ripping families apart right because like parents reject their children and then the children reject their parents and like this keeps happening um and I like I was like surely there's got to be something in the middle, some sort of stepping stones to at least bring it closer. Um, and so so definitely yeah, like I, I would. That's why I started speaking up because I wanted there to be a middle ground. I want there to be a middle ground for myself because I am like you said the nexus of this polarization internally, because I have a testimony to the gospel and I love being a member of the church and I'm gay and both of those are irrevocable. I can't change any of those, and so like where else can I be except the middle? Mm -hmm. But then because of that, like almost by definition, like it's easier to be polarized because everyone's on your side. Right. Like if you're on one side, it's you and everybody else with you against everyone else. And then when you're on the other side, the same thing happens. But when you're in the middle, you belong to both groups a little bit, but also both of them reject you at the same time. And so it's like, you really don't belong anywhere and you're kind of rejected by everyone because there's no like finality, there's no wholeness in that space. I I mean I can see that. I I think that there, there's a group of um, I would say like my perception of like most people that have an issue with the way that you live your lives tend to be like ex gay Mormons, and I would say predominantly. And when I say issue, I mean people who are like gay ex Mormons. Gay ex Mormons. Whoops, that's a really important. <laughs> I understand what you said. I just want to make sure it's clear. We will refer you to our episode on conversion therapy. (laughs) And so all of a sudden, a very different podcast. (laughs) Um, And it's like that groups of people tend to be like comparative, like relatively liberal in like their belief systems. But I don't know if y'all have seen this whole thing that's been playing out with Liz Cheney, right, in Wyoming, Mm -hmm. where she chose to break away from the party line, even though all of her legislation and like voting patterns have been like strictly Republican. And I'm thinking like far right Republican. Mm -hmm. And in this one area, she decided to like call out Donald Trump as the January on the January six hearings. And here she is like being punished for it by losing by 80% in the primary in Wyoming. And I I just want to say it like, it's just interesting like that in both of these like groups that have very different ideologies and practices and executions, there still seems to be a very oversimplified 
expectation of like who our leaders should be and who our leadership should be. Uh And it's so frustrating to me because it's so, we will always be disappointed if we expect our leaders to be perfect. We will always be disappointed. And so like, why do we do that? Like we're not perfect. Like I, and we don't want to be. I think when you say perfect, I, I would add like, I'm thinking of as we'll be disappointed if we expect our leaders to believe and look exactly the way we do. Right. Right? Like, exactly. That's a that's a very important like distinction. Like because, perfect to us, right? You know, which yeah. means the same. And, and building off of that, you know, people who have left the church or feel like it's not the right place for them, you know, there's a lot of hurt and pain and difficult choices that come with with, with stepping away from one's faith system yeah. and, mm-hmm. and and all, like that faith transition. That like that is hard. And here I am, a BYU employee, active member of the church, and I become like the personification of these of things that, of these things that have caused uh-huh. pain. And so I don't think it's like their fault that they are upset with me. Right. But, but I also don't think that like anyone is entitled, like no one has to be, no one has like in their human job description to be like the human like punching bag for someone else's like trauma and grief. And I'm just going to say that like it's, that's not fair. Can I share an example of this? Go ahead. So um, as everyone well knows, I had like my honor code thing back in whatever January, February, I can't remember. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's been a while. It's been nice to get move away from <laughs> yeah. that, you know? Oh, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> <with> the bag. <laughs> and, you know, that stirred a lot of things up. And here I am, like, I'm a gay BYU student who fell into a relationship accidentally and then had an honor code um, meeting about it, right? And it was so interesting to see people's reaction to that because um, that group, like that gay ex-Mormon group, was vicious. Yeah. They were ferocious. And so I'm seeing on Twitter, people are tweeting and saying, he should be kicked out of school. The honor code should have like clapped him. And I'm like, hold up, hold up. You are a gay rights activist advo- advocating for gay BYU students. And yet you're advocating for a gay BYU student to be kicked out of school. Like, how? Like, how did that happen? And, like, that happens, like, honestly, like, there are many cases where gay ex-Mormons have been way worse to me than any conservative church member has has ever even thought to be. And I don't know why, and and it sucks, because, like, I'm in this space, like, really trying to, it's like, I don't know. Does this make sense? No, keep going. Yeah. Like, keep going. Like, why yeah. is it hard? And, and, and may I add an, an additional yeah. perspective to that? I, I think, because I read a lot of those comments as well, and, and I think what, what people were saying was, if BYU and the church actually believe that, then they should kick him out. That I don't think they were saying, like, like oh, Charlie should be expelled. That's not true. Well, they did, like, actually. Yeah, I read those comments, too. I read too. some bad yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there were definitely people who... But, well, it was just because it was me, right? And they didn't like me because I didn't leave the church. Like, people just hate me because I don't hate the church. Right. So there's a group of people who will always hate me if I don't express hatred towards church and church leaders. And there will be a group of people who will always be uncomfortable with me if I don't say gay people are bad and it's a choice. And I'm never going to say either one of those things. Mm -mm. That's just like, I'm not going to go around hating someone or hating an organization or hating something that I love or that my family members love. And I'm sure not going to tell people that being gay is a choice and that it's gross and that you just, you know, like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do either of those things. And that's what the polarized sides want. And so, like, being on that pedestal then as this, like, you know, 
higher up, like visible public version of this space. It's just like arrows from both sides and it sucks. Well, I think it's interesting. Yeah, that does sound really hard. But I also think it's like relatable. I think that if any one of those, I would like to believe that if any one of those people behind those comments were to like look at their own experiences, they would have to recognize that there's far more nuance than can fit in mm-hmm. 270 characters on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I think that it's, it kind of sucks that the consequence of your living in nuance and in mm-hmm. conflict of opinion, like owning that in yourself, that other people are demanding that you like reconcile that. Like it's so interesting. It feels like people take the same black and white mentality that they like critique in religion and just apply it to the other side. That's true. Well, I mean, that is interesting. Like you would, I mean, that is like the consequence though of like being schooled in black and white thinking. You're just picking a different set of ideologies in which to apply it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad. And, and, and to your point, Ben, like, I, I try not to like feel like bitterness toward those people, even though like I, I read things and they don't know me and I don't know them, you know, but it just, it does make me want to distance. Right. Um, but I realized that it's coming from a place of trauma too. And, and, and it, and the, the space is hard because people's experiences with church and with BYU or with anything are built up in so many different levels. Whereas like my growing up in the church, like the way I, taught the gospel and practiced in my family is probably different. And then my parents got divorced and my dad left the church. So my ideology shifted and like my, my viewpoint shifted. And then when I came out to a Bishop, he handled it really well. And you know, there's just a lot of influences that can influence (laughs) where where you end up in in your view of the space, you know? And, and yet we want to act like everything's the same, Mm -hmm. right? Like going to church is unsafe and it's unsafe for you and you're lying. And I'm like, it's not. Like, going to church for me isn't unsafe, and when it does feel unsafe, I have to, like, figure out what to do with it. Yeah. You know? And, and I think what, what you both are saying is, like, I think it's important to, like, understand where people are coming from. Also, like you said, Sarah, you know, we can't excuse bad behavior, mm-hmm. but I do think it's important to understand, like, like where is that coming from? Yeah. Right. Well, and, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. And also, like, give space for people to, like, experience what they're experiencing. And it sucks when, like, someone's, like, healing journey or like trauma like comes out as like unkindness towards someone else mm-hmm. yeah but i have a question like do you feel like you're allowed to draw like we talk about boundaries so much like boundaries are important for relationships aren't you allowed to draw a boundary as like a public figure no no i mean about what people say about us no and i'm i'm usually pretty bad with boundaries anyway right but so. we can but i mean isn't a boundary say like i don't accept this like, you can do that, but I don't accept this from you. Yeah, um, but then that means you have to enter the conversation. And how do you enter the conversation with hundreds of thousands of people? Right, but that's what I'm saying, like, why I think maybe it's okay to say something like, and I mean, push back against this if you want to. Why it's okay to say, you know what, like, I am not, like, you're human punching drag for your trauma. Like, that is not the part of, like, that is not my responsibility or, like, a part of my mission or what I'm here to do. Yeah. I'm here to, like, testify. I'm here to, like, talk about my experiences but like, I don't accept from you like your anger. I don't accept that, and I don't respect or accept like the responsibility for that. Yeah. So honestly, like most of these conversations happen online. Right. So, so I, w- I would love to do that. But could we? No, I don't think that'd be effective. But I mean, it's saying it's like right now. I mean, that's. I feel good. Like, I feel like the reason. Like I'm feeling like fired up right yeah. now, and I think the reason is because I want to set a boundary. You know, and it's sad to me that 
probably a lot of the people that I would need to set a boundary with aren't going to listen to this. Right. But like, it, it does feel good to kind of express this because usually I just let it slide and think, you know what, like Godspeed, I'm going to live my life and what, you know. Well, this is interesting. Like I think this actually is a really good segue into kind of another kind of more interesting part of like your experiences. Do you feel that people feel entitled to more of your personal lives than you're willing to share? Yeah. Why? I mean, what, tell me more. Like, honestly, what what kinds of information do people feel that you've experienced that people feel entitled to about your lives? Yeah, I we, we both experienced people like, well, they didn't say this earlier, you know, like like with the whole Charlie and Ryan situation. People were upset because Charlie didn't say something sooner, and you know, Charlie was always honest. I never heard you lie. Um, and I never heard you say that people should be doing something. Like I never heard you say like people should be single. I never heard you say that. Mm-hmm. And yet people were really upset that you hadn't said something sooner. And I mean, how much sooner do they want me to say it? Like, right. It happened. <laughs> and and so I, I do think people feel entitled to know everything about our lives. Yeah. And, and we, like in, in real time, it's like they want us to already have it processed and packaged and ready to go before we even have time to process and package yeah. it. And, and not just like details about our personal lives or whatever, which I freely share anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like like all of our thoughts about anything that ever happens. Mm-hmm. And so I got a message from someone I don't even know a few days ago, like, I'm teaching this talk from General Conference. Um, what are your thoughts on it? And I just said... Uh, I don't really want to talk about this, but best of luck. And she said, okay, thank you. And I was like, oh, I do want to say something. And I, and I, and I said, because she was like struggling with this talk. I said, this talk was long. And I'm Three sure, lack of boundaries. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this talk is long. And I'm sure if you're teaching this, this talk in a class, you can find plenty that you agree with. That's and, nice. Yeah. And, and I was like, so you don't just have to, yeah, anyway. Um, but, but uh, especially after Elder Holland's talk at That's BYU, what I was just bring yeah. up. everyone wanted to know about. Like, we received over a hundred messages to the questions in the closet account. Over a hundred in two days, and I responded to all of those messages. Oh, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, every single one, and it was overwhelming. And I was so glad. I was like, just listen to the episode. We 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 talked. Like, I've already said everything I want to say about it. And so when people would say, "Well, what else do you think about this?" Like, I said everything I want to say about this topic. So you can go listen to the episode. <laughs> okay. Wait, you had something. Well, to say. I was just going to say, I, I, I'm not trying to sound like, um, like one up or pretentious, but like when that happened, I received like thousands of messages, like verging on tens of thousands. And it, it's just like, what are you supposed to do with that? And, and I think with that specifically, we, we released the podcast a couple days after that. Happened. It was the day after. Oh, really? It hadn't okay. been 24 hours. So in that, whatever, 19 hour period, I like, I will, my account was being called out by people like, why aren't you speaking up? Why aren't you talking about this? And I'm like, I'm actually a student at BYU. Like I'm actually the one living this and I'm actually the one being hurt and traumatized and scared and feeling awkward. And you're not like, you're not a student there. You're not a member of the church. And I need time to figure this out because this is impacting me and my life and my educational career it's impacting my program it's in, impacting my athletics and and i need a minute you know and it's just yeah like it, it's hard to always feel like no matter what happens i immediately have to have an answer and like you said b- before you can even process it like before i could fully process my relationship people are like why weren't you talking about it mm-hmm. before i could you know when general conference happens it's like i'm supposed to be live tweeting that every 
thing. And like, sometimes I just don't want to talk about it. I right. want to talk about it with my brother and call my mom and I want to go on a run in the mountains. Right. Yeah. And, so, go ahead. Yeah, and I think it's important for, for people to understand like Charlie and I are on like different pedestals, if you will. Like, after Charlie's book came out and he was still editing the podcast and I was doing like a lot less for the podcast because editing took forever. I was like, let me help you with something. So I started answering all of Charlie's Instagram messages oh my and, gosh. I, and I did that for like a month. So and this was like almost two years ago. And I, I have so, like 15 times that so, many followers. Now. So yeah. So Charlie has way more followers. And then I was answering 10 times more messages for Charlie than I get now. Like even now. And so Charlie gets a bombor- bombarded a lot more. Like he is way more famous than I am. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and mm-hmm. so, so we're having like different experiences here. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that, that's different is like, like I meet with a lot of people individually. So, and I, and, and Charlie just didn't have the time to do that. Right. And, do that. Yeah. And, and, and I have made the time to do that uh, and have the time to do that. So yeah, you're going to say something. So what would you say to somebody who says, well, this sounds hard, but isn't this just like, the consequence or what's required when you're visit like this is this is what you have to give because you're visible like this is the price you pay for fame you know it is i like i i really think it is and um i'm still willing to be in the space and be visible because i really care about this message and i care about the people on the back end yeah i uh went to lunch with your husband last summer we had a great time what <laughs> and, scandal and, and, and he recommended michelle obama's book to me which i then got on audible or not audible, like i listened to the audiobook and i was having this really tough like i was, I was getting called out like crazy and mm-hmm. a lot of it wasn't true like mm-hmm. it was just not true and i tried to clear it up and be like well this is what we're here I'm like no no i was there like <laughs> like i was in is, the room <laughs> like like i am the source <laughs> and they're like no we've heard other things like but i'm the I'm the source. <laughs> anyway, so um, like all this was happening, my world was crazy. As I was walking home, I started listening to like the next chapter of Michelle Obama's book, and she was talking about the first time she spoke publicly on the campaign trail, and all these crazy things happened. I was like, you know what? I am not nearly at the level of Michelle Obama. This is just what happens when you're in the pu- when, when when like people can see you when, when you're visible. And is that right? No, but it's what happens. So if nothing changes for people's behavior, does it just like feel a little bit better knowing that you're able to say this? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I'm ranting right now. That's okay. You get to, you get to rant. And you like, like angry. even this is seriously, even now I'm saying things. I'm like, oh my gosh, if this person hears it, they're going to go off on the internet. Well, or if this person hears this, they're going to write another article about me. Well, I just wish like. And so like, I even still kind of want to censor myself because like the, the quieter you stay, the less people can. Right. Talk about you, right? But, I mean... Well, I think, I mean, I wish... if it, Wouldn't it be nice if just, like, one day a year you were really allowed to be human and, like, allow your humanity to come out? But I just... You have to be angry, too. Like, as a friend, right now, like, it's just... We were just talking about this before the podcast. Like, we get to be angry sometimes. We get to be sad. We get to... The grace in which you extend to others, like... I think we're able and allowed to... Exp- it from other people t- mm-hmm. to yourselves too mm-hmm. i mean that's like a nicer way of kind of saying like i'm setting a boundary like i don't accept this from you because i am also entitled to the grace in which i extend can i share some you. more thoughts of course. i'm having a lot of thoughts <laughs> yeah. um i think though when you're angry um church people don't listen like the minute you start sounding angry that's when like like maybe one group of people will listen more but the other side just completely shuts mm-hmm. off and so it's like 
still it's kind of this constant balance of like, is my message strong enough, but palatable enough? And it's like, you know, there's this, there's this phrase that like I'm a gymnast. (laughs) Tightrope. (laughs) Y'all have like, have you ever like heard the phrase like hold space for somebody, like holding space for Mm -hmm. somebody? Not only have we heard the phrase, we've done it. Right. Well, so one of my favorite things (laughs) that like, well, I just want to like make sure, right? Because I've been using that word a lot more in the last year than I ever have in my life as I've been getting to know like my birth father. And there'll be moments in time where he's like at the bench creating like a piece of jewelry and he wants me just to sit and hold space for him. And really just to sit there and like watch him do things that maybe even necessarily as I'm learning like, why is he doing it that way? Or why is he, as he's creating this beautiful work of art, where my only job in that moment is just to like hold space. And it, you know, it'd be really nice as like your friend, I would love to be able to, as I'm asking like the world, like if you don't agree with them, that's fine. But could you hold space for them? Like hold space for them to like work it out. You don't have to go celebrate them, you know, go to their, buy their books or go to their firesides, but like hold space for them, hold space for their humanity, hold space for like their path and their journey. I'm not even asking you to trust them. Just like hold space, you know, that's, that's it. Is that like the bare minimum? Like as a, human to human like hold space you know i wish maybe that'll be the next thing i say to somebody that like is having a problem just like hold space for them that's really really pretty thank you and 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 that's really kind so i i teach this diversity class at byu it's called understanding self and others colon diversity and belonging it's a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) um and and we 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 read a, a chapter from this book called um Love Your Enemies by Arthur Brooks. So good. It's such so, a good book. It, it's book. so good. And and he tells a story about like this person you from high school like read his book and then sent in this email and like hated it. Like and like hated his book. And then his then Arthur, who's the author, uh, like his natural response was like like respond to every criticism he made. Then he had this light bulb moment where he was like, He read my book. And so then in the email he just said, Thank you for reading my book. Thank you so much. And then the guy responded and said, Sorry, I was probably a little responding to like I was probably a little too critical. My apologies. And then he's like, We should get together for lunch. And they got together for lunch and I had a great time. And so I've really found like the principle that Jesus shares, it's usually true what Jesus says. <laughs> in this in the Sermon on the Mount where, you know, he says, you know, Pray for them. I don't know the words, but like, like pray for them that hurt you. No, pray for them that, that despitefully use you. I can't remember all the sayings, but I shouldn't have that memorized. Uh, but like, all like, like we're supposed to love our enemies and pray for them. And I've had these moments where like someone is like so terrible to me, and I just like try and see them for a second, and and then my heart just like breaks. I'm like, I'm so sorry that you're hurting. Yeah. Like I'm so sorry that something is going on in your life, and I'm also like thankful that even though you disagree with me completely, like you took the time to like read my words and see me a little bit. That's really beautiful, Ben. Like it's, it's really beautiful. I think that that is the source in which like miracles come. Like we've talked about this before. One of my, my favorite miracle, the Book of Mormon, is the miracle like the the stripling warriors because that miracle happened because their parents allowed themselves to be killed. And I'm not saying that that's what we should be asking ourselves to do, but like we should be loving our enemies. We should be. That's hard because I'm also I guess I'm not I don't want to say because I don't think that as your friend, I'm not, I don't think you should allow yourselves to be hurt by other people. I don't think that that is the requirement, but I am very inspired that despite the way that people treat you, despite the way that people abuse your name, misappropriate your words and choose to like lash out against you, that 
you ultimately both, even when you're, even when you're angry after the anger, you both of you always choose kindness and you always choose empathy. Um, which like actually brings me to like a really well, can, go, I, go ahead. Can I just build off of that? So there's a song from Steven Universe, which I've never actually seen. And it's really <laughs> cute and it's really short. And, and the line goes, I don't need you to love me. I love me. I don't need you to accept me. I accept me. But I want you to know you could know me if you change your mind. So change your mind. And so when I see people who are unkind to me, whether it be like someone who actually knows me or someone who just knows me like as this person who's written a book and has a podcast and whatever, um, I think if you knew me, I think you would like me. But I don't need you to like me because I already like myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you keep coming back to the theme of proximity, and I think that's really important. And one thing that I feel when this, like, when this happens like the most to me, um, there is an element of humanity that I feel like is stripped from me. And um, I feel like I'll be discussed as a subject, and they'll and 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 I think I don't I don't like using the word celebrity because I <laughs> it's just weird, but like this I see this happen like on celebrity levels, yeah. right? Um, where it's like we know them as as a, a disc or a, a photo or a movie, right? And and I think a lot of times in this space I'm viewed as a picture on a book or an Instagram account, right? Or a video they watched once. Um, and so I think I feel that that element of humanity gets stripped from me. And then I'm talked about as if I'm not a real person that could actually like see this. And, and that, that happened recently, like actually a couple times there've been, um, people writing like more, um, I guess from more of like a, a church critique perspective, about us and like kind of like Charlie's dangerous and I don't know what you the word you used like about how I'm it's scary and gonna lead people away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and they wrote this and made a lot of assumptions about me that aren't true and like uh, it was really shocking to read about them like insinuating that I'm breaking the law of chastity and that like I don't value covenants or like um, and I was just like what like how can anybody even like say this about someone and none of it's true and it, it was really shocking to me. Um, and I actually like talked to this person and they're like, well, you're a public figure so we can say whatever we want about you. Mm-hmm. And I was That's like, what people say that like, because you're a public be, figure, we can say be, whatever you want. So it it kind of comes back to what you were saying. Like, how do you set boundaries when you're there? I don't know if you can, because people's like honest viewpoint is if you're putting yourself out there, you're not a human anymore. And like you want, like you're, allowing yourself to be picked apart. Um, and that was really shocking. And like, I, I tried to set that boundary, but there was nothing I could do about it. And I'm like, okay, like there's going to be like, I'll keep having negative tweets about me and about how I'm not actually gay. <laughs> and I'll keep having negative articles about me about how I'm not actually a member of the church. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, same. Some of those articles have included me. Yeah, and one of the guys who wrote one of these articles about us, I he had emailed us like, "Hey, I wrote this article," and I was like, "Why didn't you email us before?" So we like talk about it. So then I was like, "We should get dinner sometime." And so we got dinner, and he paid for it. Um, a date? <laughs> it was it was a date. He's married. Uh, um, and uh, and so I, I mentioned that like how hurtful it was, and he said, "Well, you're a public figure, so 
I can say whatever I, I want. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I thought we had a nice conversation. I think I scared him because of my confidence and I was told him how inappropriate he'd been. Mm-hmm. And, and he disagreed. And so there was tension from the disagreement. But still, I thought we left amicably. Mm-hmm. But I wish there was a way to like add that human perspective beforehand too. And like, you can't fix every problem, but like, I, I would love like to the person who's commenting on a post I make that like, I can't believe you wrote a book about this. And the, this that I wrote about was nowhere to be found in my book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I wish there was a way to like have people like do their research before they form opinions. And, um, and, and like, I, I, I think, you know what, like, I feel like this is kind of negative. Like this is a lot of complaining. I think on, one thing that like it's made me a lot better at that because when it happens to me i recognize it and like i see me doing it to other people and i'm like "Uh uh-uh i'm not going to do this i'm not going to say anything bad about this person not even to like my mom i wouldn't ever say bad about anyone to my mom but like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like my friend (laughs) or ben without like actually getting to know who they are so i I think that's good Mm mm-hmm so hard way to learn a lesson though i tell you correct me if i'm like wrong here but when i'm hearing all of you say and all of this and i don't think that this is i don't think this is like complaining i think this is like i think this is just like letting it out right it's just saying you know what i don't expect you to change your opinion i'm not even asking you to change like what you think i'm just want you to know that it hurts me mm-hmm. like that when you say something it hurts me when you say something in this way like it hurts me and there is like there's someone behind these accounts there's someone behind this picture there's like a person who is just like you that is wrestling with the humanity wrestling with like that that this hurts so think about that and if you are okay with moving forward and like willfully hurting saying something knowing that it hurts me that's fine i suppose but i just want you to know that it hurts me mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think that's fair and, and for people who are, like, feeling, like, defensive of us, like, who are, like, oh, my gosh, we want to help. Like, how do we defend you guys? How do we help you guys? I think, like, these online conversations just aren't productive. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just wouldn't waste your time. Um, and honestly, mostly in writing, I wouldn't do this. But if someone says something that's, like, unkind about us, I you know, listen, hear what they have to say. Really make sure they see that you understand their concern. And then say, well, could I share my perspective and what I've heard from from them? And and but I, I think for the most part, like defending us isn't the right thing to do. Uh, I, I think the most effective thing to do is just like share your own personal stories and and whatever's leading that person's hurt, like help them find that healing. Because mm-hmm. if people if people aren't hurt, if if they're not afraid, if they're not feeling pain, then they're they're going to feel no need to attack us. Well, I think the defensiveness is kind of what adds to the polarization too, because even the word connotes war, right? Or like um, challenge, and and so like attacking versus like counterattack. And if you can tone down the temperature on that and just meet someone where they are, I think that's a way to step toward the middle. Yeah. So the way to solve all this is just to heal the pain in the world. Yeah. Kill the pain in the world, but like, let me just like be open to the idea that like a mind, that my mind could be changed, mm-hmm. like your mind could be changed and their mind could be changed. There's this really great, um, it's like a, it's not I don't even it's like a podcast, but it's just an article that Malcolm Gladwell wrote and then he recently read. It's called "Why Changing Your Mind Is a Superpower," mm-hmm. and why the ability to change your mind is a superpower. And I would have liked to invite everyone that's listening to this to like aspire to that superpower of having the ability to change one's mind mm-hmm. about an individual about an idea but that's that's something that we should be aspiring to do 
And I think if we can do that, we can allow other people to change as well. Yes. And this is something I saw, like, before I entered this space, like, before I wrote my initial article of, like, coming out, um, I, like, I had obviously, like, interacted with a lot of gay LDS media, but I, I also started looking at it from a perspective of what happened to this person socially, right? And so, like, I looked at, like, the Mormon gay stories, Mormon and gay stories, and, like, different people who had kind of been on the pedestal before and, like, how that impacted them. And one thing I noticed was if and when they changed their minds, like, that, like people wanted them to be snapshots. Like, this is where I'm at right now, and that's where I'm always going to be forever. Nothing's ever going to change. And then when they did change, even if it was just a slight change, even if it was a change that made them happier and feel closer to God, all of a sudden they were no longer trusted because everyone else wanted them to stay exactly there. Um, and I think that kind of, like, I mean, I feel that too, like with, with conflict around me, it's like, why, I don't know. And I don't, I don't really feel like I've changed that much in my opinions or thoughts. Since I don't I, think so either. Since, since I, came out, I actually think I've been incredibly like the, what I believe now about me and my life in the gospel is very congruent with how I was three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but like allowing people to change and move in the space and, and leave and come back and go where, you know, like allowing yourself to change will also allow other people to change, which will keep us all from keeping each other in boxes right? and adding more judgment than is necessary. Well, all of a sudden, like Ben, I'm starting to feel the empathy that you talked about for those individuals because someone who doesn't give grace to other people that way doesn't give grace to themselves yeah and like how pain how painful is that you know oh dang it you're turning me into a better person (laughs) (laughs) and and uh you know because if you just like look like what's going on in that person's life they felt like they had to say that you know it's just you know bullies are bullies because they're unhappy Mm -hmm. and i just want to like help them be happy yeah. Some, both of you said something that's interesting to me that you said that you both feel like you have maintained for the most part amidst all this change like your opinions your ideologies about how you feel in the space like your beliefs mm-hmm. so how have you maintained your sense of self under the intense scrutiny that both of you have been experiencing the last several years so Charlie and I both have incredible support systems Mm-hmm. Like very good support systems. Like when I go home and see my family, like I'm the youngest sibling in my family. So I've always been like this little twerp, you know? <laughs> and so when I go home, like no one respects me. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not some big deal. I'm just like little brother Ben, you know? Yeah. And so like with my family, it's like, what, like Ben's just Ben, you know? And then most of my close friends now, like I've known them for a long time. And so it's not like, you know, they're just, I'm just a normal person. Mm-hmm. And so, and with my coworkers, like when we walk across campus, people will like stop me and they like see it happen regularly. And we just let, and I was like, it's like, whatever, like, who cares? Like, but then my coworkers, like, they just know me as like their coworker. Like, yeah. right. like when I got this job, I didn't have a podcast or a book and few people knew who I was. So you and cultivated a support system. You cultivated a community of de- people. Definitely. And, you know, people who are just like, and I, it, like, I have social media time limits on my phone, you know, so that I'm not on it too much. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, make sure, like, like I'm living in my real life. Mm-hmm. And that I'm, like, doing what I feel right with in my life. 
And I had this moment where um, last just just over a year ago, I went on this like five day hike with some with, with Steve Smith in the wilderness and a bunch of other people. <laughs> and he made us all go spend twenty four hours by ourselves. Right. And I was like not looking forward to this because I do not like being alone. And so I just had like a whole day with like just my thoughts, like just my thoughts. I remember laying on the sand by this creek and looking at the sky and watching the clouds go by. I was like letting whatever thoughts came into my mind. And the thought that I had was, and I thought this was odd, was I am so grateful for the people in my life. And the, and the, and, and, but the people I like pictured them were my coworkers. Like so grateful I had them in my life. Uh, Cause to them, I'm just, I'm just Ben, you know? And so I think what, what helps me stay grounded in like who I am is like people who, who just like take me as I am. And I, I talk to my friends, Kevin and Allison in Tucson, like at least every other Sunday. And they're the kinds of people where I can just like say, this is everything I'm feeling. Everything, like unfiltered everything I'm feeling. And they just like hold it with me and then ask me questions about it. Like I don't have to be anyone but me with them. And I am so glad that I have not just them, but like dozens of people in my life who I can just be me. And they just like hold that with me. That's beautiful, Ben. I'm really happy that you have that. That makes me happy. Yeah. I aspire to that. I'm not very good at cultivating that in myself, and I, I want to be better. Yeah. And Sarah, that. you're one of those people. Where, like, I can just like unload. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, like, I can, I just like un- <laughs> unload. Just, I mean, you don't always answer your phone. That's the problem. I but. know. Well, that's what it is. I like. We won't go into like the the foibles of Sarah today. <laughs> like, but that's really beautiful, Ben. Like, yeah. It's just. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Charlie, or oh, go ahead. Oh, and and this is a, maybe a separate conversation, but. Um, sometimes I like yearn for the day when I don't have to like do anything publicly anymore. Like that just like sounds like a few Saturdays, nice. like a few Saturdays ago, like I, I didn't like write anything or like talk to anyone, but like my friends and we just like watch TV and I like went on a walk and like went to the gym. It was like this. And like I read scriptures with Charlotte, like this beautiful, just, like normal person day. I was like, this was nice. I need more days like this. Uh, but at the same time, like, there's a scripture in section 123 of the Doctrine and Covenants where it says that uh, many are kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. And then it says, wherefore, that we should waste and wear our lives and bring into light all the hidden things when we know them. Mm-hmm. And like we know things about the LGBTQ lifespan experience that a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. And that ignorance is really damaging a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm happy to waste and wear out my life and bring into light all the hidden things that I know so that people can understand the situation and, and, and be more educated. That's beautiful, Ben. Thank you. Charlie, I'm very curious because we've like openly acknowledged the fact that you and Ben do have different experiences. Like Ben has like a micro relatively so comparatively experience of scrutiny that you do. I'm I, like, have, I have literally, literally 100,000 followers fewer than Charlie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like how many followers do you have on Instagram right now? A hundred thousand more than Ben. Apparently. <laughs> I checked yesterday; it was one hundred fourteen thousand. Okay. I think today it's one hundred sixteen. Well, Charlie's popular. <laughs> <laughs> it was that refrigerator deer story that like <laughs> took you over the top. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Which, all things considered, isn't that much. Mm-hmm. But but it's more than any other gay member of the church, with the exception of David Archuleta or right. somebody who's not out yet. Right. <laughs> That's true. But like so. Charlie, with all of that, how do you maintain yourself of self under the intense scrutiny that you are under right now? Um, I have, yeah, I have a couple thoughts on this. I relate a lot to what you said, Ben. And the only thing I would add is that I have some very select people in my life who call me out. If that, like, 
like I feel like I know myself really well. And there's a few people who know me equally or better than I know myself. Um, and and they, they see my heart, they see my energy, they know my soul. So if I am being or acting in a way that isn't congruent with that, they'll sit me down. And this has happened, you know, I think of my older sister a couple times growing up. Um, like when my parents were getting a divorce, I started acting different and wasn't it wasn't me somehow I wasn't doing anything bad but I wasn't in my own mind and like she pulled me aside and was like hey like something's off like this is what I'm seeing and and we talked about that and I was like oh this is why that's happening and I could kind of correct course and with her and other members of my family that's kind of happened throughout my life um and even still they, they do that and it's it's difficult you know to be um corrected in a way but it's really beautiful because they're correcting me to myself which is correct does that make sense um so there's that aspect and then additionally to that i I grew up in a really small town and there aren't members of the church there like there are but it's like they're all birds they're they're all they're all like (laughs) yeah we there's like a couple big families um, who have had like generations being members of the church and then there are others and like you know we kind of like congregate because there's congregation everyone kind of moves closer to the church but still like like some of my best friends who were also members of the church lived an hour an hour and a half away um, and this isn't like an hour and a half in traffic this is like they live 120 miles away from me and it wait how fast are you driving if that's an hour so fast <laughs> I don't know whatever an hour and a half okay <laughs> And so, like, it was never cool to have faith. It was never cool to be Mormon. It wasn't cool to not drink or to not have sex or to not look at photos that were being shared. Like, and I just, I just had to be really comfortable and confident and being like, you know what? My beliefs are different than everybody else's and I can, and that doesn't make me worse. Like, I, and I I can be confident in those. Um, So, if I hear you correctly, like, you you're very used to being the exception mm-hmm. in your space right like your whole life you've always been there. and i honestly think in a weird way being gay has also done that to me too because i am different and there's like different things that, about my energy that people read um and there's i've just always been a little bit different and so if i'm different i'm like okay this is on par um so there's that and then the third one is i just think like I've had experiences where I've prayed and I've like really talked to God and had answers and revelation that are just so unmistakable to me. Um, And I think they like suspend me in this space. Um, I almost think of like being a missionary. They say there's like a, a mantle of your calling and you're able to like perform at a level that's higher than you otherwise would be able to. And at some of the lowest moments of my life, I've really felt like I've been upheld by that. Um, and it's it's really beautiful, and I can only give that credit to God. That's beautiful. So if I'm hearing you correctly, both of you said, you know, find your community, build your community, but like find the people that you love, but also that love you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's important. Charlie, you also said embrace your peculiarity, like be mm-hmm. different that or be okay with being different, like cultivate that. And then the third one is is to make one of those people God. 
Well, it's almost like... When do you go to God and why? I go to God often, but I really go to God sometimes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And I'll, like, put effort into it and, like, really have something that I'm pondering and I'll study and then I'll take, like... For me, it's not a question, but more of a feeling that is attached to a question and I'll just, like, bring that feeling to God and almost, like, unfold my soul Mm -hmm. in that way and say here this is god and this is something i'm scared of and that i don't know Mm -hmm. um and i've had moments where i'm imagining like a piece of coal like there's this piece of coal in my soul and then like god touches it and then it like transforms into like i mean like the trope like a diamond right and so it's like this glowing diamond now and then i fold back up and bring that to me and then if someone's saying like you have coal in your heart i'm like no i don't like i do not because god has transformed that and so honestly i have a lot of coal in my heart still like there's things i don't know i'm terrified about so much and i don't know if i'll ever get all the answers in this space and it's so scary like like i was telling you guys before last night i broke down and i cried for like an hour because there's this thing i don't know and it's been so overwhelming to me and yet i also have diamonds there and so if someone's saying that's a piece of coal i'm like no no you got it wrong i know what this is and god did it so it's right yeah thank you for sharing that charlie that's really beautiful i heard two things in what you said charlie i said i heard you say like find your purpose and rely on your purpose when you don't know where you're at or where you're going. And I also heard you say like find and recognize the hand of God in all things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's kind of it plays out. There's this kind of thing I see it floating around on TikTok and Instagram. This idea of romanticizing one's life. And I have a friend who has had some of the hardest six months I've heard seen anyone have moving to a new place, see money, divorce issues with housing and everything that could have happened to her has like happened to her in the last six months. And she posted today that she's like, I'm romanticizing my life. I'm sitting in this pile of beautiful, like historic archives for my job. And I am looking through this and I played a song on my iPod. Like she has an iPod still (laughs) on her iPod, um, going to work. And you know, the right lyric came when I crossed the sidewalk and I felt like it was Carrie Bradshaw and I was just like, that's, it's just another way of, like, for me, for saying she doesn't believe in God, but for me, it was just, like, another way of saying, okay, like, recognize, like, God in all things. For me, as, like, a, a person of faith, find God and recognize God. When I, when I need to be, reset my compass or recalibrate, find myself, find God and I'll find myself. Yeah. Can I answer two quick stories to, to go on with what you guys are mm-hmm. saying? So, you know, being in this space is hard, you know, having people say things about us that are untrue or unkind or that are true and unkind, um, it, can be, it can be really hard. And, it, and it's really hard. Um, uh, but there's a story I want to share and, you know, why to me it's all worth it. So uh, back in March, I, I live close to the Provo Temple, Provo Temple Classic. And I was walking around it. <laughs> I, I go and walk through there all the time. And I love that building. I know everyone thinks it's ugly, but it's, it's like my favorite temple. I love it. I think it's beautiful. I'm so sad they're tearing it down. And so, and if I could like write a letter and like, should we, should we protest? No, oh. No. oh, there already has been like, <laughs> if anyone would like listen to me, if I could get them to like save the pro temple, like I would do that. But anyway, that's beside the point. So I was like, I want to spend time that's in this. Interesting. <laughs> I was like, I want to spend time in this temple before it gets torn down. I thought maybe I should be a temple worker again. And then I thought, I don't have time. 
I don't have time to do this. And I was like, you know what? I'll act on the prompt. And so I went and talked to my bishop. And he read like the temple recommend, like the temple worker questions for me, like what it takes to recommend someone to be a, a temple worker. And one of the things was that they had to be uh, respected in the community. And I was like, I don't know <laughs> if that is me. Uh, but then he's like, but I feel confident recommending you. So he put in my name and then the temple contacted me and I like agreed to get set apart. And I was like, I don't have time to do this. Like, like I can't do this. Like, I just don't have the time to do this. And I talked to, like, my dad about it. I talked to a bunch of people. And I decided I wasn't going to do it. Like, I was going to back out and not do it. Um, but I, I just, like, couldn't say no. And so, I like, I pushed back my getting set apart date a week. And then that next week, like, before, like while I was trying to make the decision, somehow the, the UVU Institute, um, every semester does this three-day, like, this three-week workshop on, like, ministering to LGBTQ church members. And somehow it ended up in my calendar. I don't remember how or why it was there, but it was in my calendar. I was like, I guess I should go to this thing. So I, I showed up, like, a half an hour late, and I walked in, and my friend Kyle's mom, Melanie, was there, Melanie Manwaring. And she was, like, on this panel of, of parents of LGBTQ kids. And I walked in and sat down. And she said, my friend Ben just walked in and it is so good to see him here. And when she said that, I just had this like intense feeling that like I needed to work in the temple because someone had to see me there. And I thought, whatever happens, I got to be there. So I went and got set apart. I've been working there for two months and, and it's been really wonderful. So that's one story. I've got one more story. Um, so I, I teach Institute for my ward uh, like every like every three Tuesdays. And I post about it on my social media. And like one or two people who like to see it on social media will come. But usually it's just members of my ward. And my old seminary teacher came last week. And I've known her for 24 years. Like she's like family to me. And almost all the things about being gay she knows about from me. Like mostly from me. And then this random BYU student who's going on a mission soon showed up. Like this young kid, not even out to his parents. And then they started talking after, after a class. And then I was, like, do you go, I was like, do you want to hear this kid's story? Let's go sit outside. You can hear his story. Then he just like opened his heart to her, just like shared his story. And I could like see like how good it was for her to like hear this kid's story and how good it was for him to share the story with someone who's like his mom. And then I went home. And I was like, that was a really beautiful thing that happened. And it happened because... I get to have the social media presence where people will be wanting to come to my institute class. And so for all the crap that happens, like there's a real power in just like being able to have some kind of influence. And people ask me like, do you like being famous? I'm like, no, I don't want people to, I don't care. I don't care what people know who I am, but I want to have a positive influence and being in the space, even with all the ne negativity has allowed me to, 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 to build faith in people and to bring people together so they can understand each other better. And, you know, when I walk to the temple every, every week when I work there, the pray, I pr the pray, the, sorry, the <laughs> prayer that I pray as I walk up that hill is I want, I want people to feel God's love through me today, like while I'm there. And so hopefully like my, my publicness helps people to feel God's love. Um, oh, thank you, Ben. That was really beautiful. Ben, as you're talking, I'm going back to one of the first comments that you made about being on the so-called pedestal, we see a lot of things. And I have seen the most beautiful miracles. Like, I have seen, like, families repair. I have seen um, people connect with God. I have seen healing from abuse. I have seen um, confidence be born in people who have never had it before. I think that one's my favorite. I just think, I just love that. Um, and I just, 
like I guess like you were saying, Ben, and again, like maybe this sounds like cliche, but like for all of the tumult and pain and argument in this space that I can see, like there are miracles happening every day and in different hearts and different families and different places and different countries. And there are like, there are these pieces of coal that are being turned into diamonds. Right. And I just see this happening and I'm just like, you know, if this has happened, if I've seen so much in the past three years, what am I going to see in 10 years? And how are we going to create a community where like no one has to be ashamed of who they are or be rejected or reject themselves. And like, if I can have a small piece in that and bringing to light some of these secrets with, you know, like wearing out my life to, to bring these secret things to light. Like, man, like how, how, how joyous will that be? And that's what I want. I, that's, I feel like that's my purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to fulfill it. It's really beautiful. Um, I'm feeling kind of emotional right now for a few reasons. I think mostly as I reflect on this conversation, you know, kind of where we started, where rightfully so, there was an amount of like, I don't know, pain and hurt that I'm not saying has like left you completely. But there has been like a transformative element in this where I've felt within this, you know what? People who may not agree with me I will hold space for you. Mm-hmm. You have to. I will hold space for you. And it's all right. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I believe in no, but it, it takes the sting out of it when someone who does want to spitefully use you, when you say to them, I will hold space for you. And I will bless you. And I will bless you. And I will bless your name. And I will bless your house. And I will bless the houses of your children. And you will be in my prayers. I'm going to think about you and wish the best for you. And I'm just, I'm really moved by that and I'm inspired by it because that's, a, that's hard to do. I think sometimes, <laughs> I think sometimes people want to criticize the both of you because you do make it sound easy because you both are so <laughs> positive. Even when it's like hard, like you're positive and like you're faithful. But I just want to like emphasize that neither one of you ever said in any of these things, conversations that it was easy. When I asked you, how do you maintain your sense of self under scrutiny? Neither one of you said, well, let me tell you this really easy five-step program that I do <laughs> in which to maintain my sense of self. Like, There's nothing easy about cultivating community. There's nothing easy about embracing one's purpose. There's nothing one easy about looking to God or your spiritual practice and like cultivating that. That is, that is a hard thing to do. But I am inspired. You... Both of you often inspire me, but I am truly inspired in this moment. That in this moment that coupled with like your hurt, coupled with like your very real humanity, you are extending grace. And that even from like your pedestal, even from your pain, that you are seeking grace, even when it's hard and knowing that you don't always want it, want to extend it, that you are wanting to want to extend it. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, like, as your friend and, like, fan, like, I, like, applaud that. Like, I do, because it's it's hard, and I um, I just, I feel compelled to, like, share this, Ben. Like, thank you, and Charlie, for, like, sharing this importance of, like, service and all of this. Very, I've just been, like, struggling personally, because I, 
I just got recently called to be in the study presidency. And I've really enjoyed going to church, just going to church the last few months in my new ward. I've enjoyed like going to church, showing up on time, leaving on time, having no meetings, having no like I my last calling I was a Steakin Women's president and like the calling before it was just I've I've you been, killed it. You were so good at I've it. I've been in big callings for as long as I can remember that have required a lot of time. And I resented this last Sunday when they called me. And I did not want to say yes because I've enjoyed going to church. For all the reasons that you've talked about in my own micro way, I don't want to serve in those kinds of callings. I didn't, wanted to have been exhausted by it. But thank you for like changing my heart in this moment. With like, your examples, like it's a it's serving me and impacting me to recognize my own role as an agent for like change and service. Can, can I tell you one thing I do? And I, I learned this from Nephi. Um, in the very first verse of the Book of Mormon, he says, I was highly favored of the Lord and I've seen many afflictions in all my days. Like this, he's like honest, like things sucked and God was there. And then that happens multiple times in the Book of Mormon. There, there's there's a, a part in First Nephi 15 where where he says, uh, "I consider that my afflictions were great above all, and I was overcome because of my afflictions." Like he's like, "This was the hardest thing. I was overcome because it was so hard." And then the next verse he says, "And I, after receiving strength from the Lord," and. I think for me it has been so important to be honest about all of it. Like if I just said everything's hunky dory, it's great. Like that would be that's unhealthy for me. But if I was just like things are terrible and they suck, like that's also unhealthy for me. For sure, the healthy space for me is to say this is hard and here's what's good, or this is good and this is also what's, like like allowing those two things to coexist because it's true. Like things are good and they suck. And what a beautiful mirror for that polarization that we were talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so if I were you, like I have this new calling that I don't want, like part of me could be like, oh, it'll be fine, da 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 da. da. I could be like, oh, this sucks. I hate it. I hate this. I don't want to do this. Blah, blah blah blah. You know. And if I just like let one of those things win, I wouldn't be just surviving or thriving. But saying I don't want to do this, but I'm gonna do it. You wouldn't be balanced. Yeah. 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 Well, it's just like it's giving me like a beautiful permission, and I hope other people listening to this feel that permission to just. I think this whole like episode was a really cool. And case study is the word that I'm like, yeah. but like an actual application of the human, the graceful humanity, like that you're asking for from others, but like just like living yourselves. You're hurt, but you're also trying your best. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'm also hoping is that, you know, we're not alone in these feelings, right? Like we might have it a different way, or like maybe in numbers it's a little bit more dramatic, but. But the conflict of being an LGBTQ plus believer, child of God, is there for everyone, right? And this is just like another way that that shows up. And and I just want to, I, I guess, hold space for people who are feeling this at different levels, whether it be in their family structure or with their church leadership and or their friends, these different ways where you feel simultaneously accepted and rejected. And you feel like there's expectations on you that you can't meet or you want to meet but don't know how and you know like this happens in so many different ways it's a pattern i think when you're in this space um and so like listening to this i hope it's not just like oh my gosh like charlie's popular and it's hard to be popular (laughs) i was like like but like (laughs) right and how sad if that's the the message you Mm -hmm. know but I, i hope it's like oh this is i don't know well, well like, like these feelings that we've expressed of like joy and sadness and like 
people criticizing us, like like and feeling rejected, like all of these feelings people are having on a micro scale yeah. in their own lives. Well, but it's macro in their own life. You know what I mean? It like like a micro scale, but that sounds diminishing to me because like this is just my life and this is how it works in my life, and that doesn't mean it's harder or worse than anybody else's mm-hmm. life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like a more public. It's just it's a, public. It's a different private. flavor. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like the, like the same exhaustion is happening to people who are out to five people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I hope that I mean I hope that I can continue being emotionally resilient in this space and keep finding beauty and connection. Um, and I also hope that anybody else listening who's craving that can also do that, and that we can take strength from each other. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> well. Is there anything that you feel that you want to share that you haven't had the opportunity to share or to say? Yeah. The only thing I want to say to add, you know, I've already shared lots of testimonies and thoughts and all that and whatnot, but, you know, to the people who are listening, you're like, what can we do to help? I think the best thing you can do to help is just, like, share your story, share your heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't feel like a lot of burden on us, but but if any burden there is becomes lighter as people like share too mm-hmm. and share their hearts as well. Yeah. And I, and I say this a lot, but I'm a firm believer that the best ideas haven't been thought of yet. So if someone doesn't know what to do, you know, pray and get sense of inspiration and maybe you'll think of something no one's ever thought of. Yeah. Like I, I feel like for so long people have kind of looked to us for answers, but like who did we look to for answers? You know, other people and the Lord and that, and that's where it happens, you know? I've really loved this conversation. Me too. I, I feel like I feel like I was kind of like a balloon that was like <laughs> too full, but I like deflated a little bit, and now I have a little bit more bounce in me. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think this is like, I think this is like the beauty and like the. This is like the fruit of like connection and community. This is this is the fruit of that. This is the. This is like worth fighting for. This is worth investing in. You know, like those, friendship is worth it. You know those nights when you have a conversation with someone and it, you just like wish you could hold on to it forever. Yeah. Like I feel like this is the exact conversation that the three of us would have had tonight. Yeah. And that just makes me so happy that it's like here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really miss you guys. <laughs> I just this has been a really wonderful experience moving to San Antonio, but I really miss you guys. Well, I'm really grateful for technology and that I plane fights that I got to be here. But I really miss you. Well, Sarah, when you moved away, I had no doubt that you'd be in my life for the rest of our lives. <laughs> so we're with you for the long haul. Same. We love you. I love you too. Thanks for interviewing us. Thanks for allowing me. And thanks for... Um, Is there anything that you didn't get to say? No, I feel... I feel like truly... Um, I understand now... I asked that question at the beginning about, well, why do people put people on pedestals? And I think it's because when you see like goodness in other people, like you want to celebrate it. And when you see goodness in other people, you want to exemplify it. And sometimes you just get a little bit mixed up. And instead of remembering that we're here to be inspired by it, we try to superimpose it onto ourselves and into other people. Mm. And so... Thanks for reminding that that's why for thank you for being such beautiful goodness in my lives really truly and for making the sacrifices that you do to be the goodness in so many other people's lives 
and I, I see you and I know that it's hard, but I love you and thank you for trusting me to be a part of your community of support and friendship. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like blush up. <laughs> thank, thank you. That's like, that's really meaningful. The moms love you too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's thank goodness for that little working group. Mm-hmm. You know, thank goodness. Anyway, we love everyone. <laughs> We're full of love. <laughs> and that was the questions from the closet exclusive. <laughs> 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 Cutting edge exclusive ends with us being like, "Wow, well, we just love each other." <laughs> love what a shock! <laughs> oh man. Well, I think that this happened because we held space for each other. Let's not pretend that all three of us ever agree on everything. Yeah. On everything, or really, very rarely, few things. Like there are very few things that all three of us exactly agree on. Yeah. But I do think that, like, if there's something that the three of us are good at, is like holding space for each other. And surrendering to the process. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in spite of ourselves, I don't think that my surrendering has always been a full act of my agency as much as it has just been like exhaustion in the moment. I'm just like, fine, I surrender. But yeah, yeah. like I think, I think that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hold space, you guys. You don't have to agree with us. You don't have to agree with them, but just like hold space for a progression. I hope that like, you know, we had a lot of hopes for this, but like I hope that as you listen to this and as you listen to this, that like you recognized the humanity and felt inspired towards grace, wherever that was. And if you're not going to like change your comment, at least like change your thinking behind it, Please, like, just, I hope that you saw the humanity and felt the grace. Again, thank you both for this. It's been awesome, and I am excited to start doing this frequently. I've missed this. It's been, I mean, we've been off for, like, two and a half, three months almost. Yeah. And we still have a little bit more time, but we're going to come back, and I need it. Like, I love these conversations. And season three starts at the end of September. Season four. Oh, yeah, season four. We're working on it. Season four, maybe some more. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.